Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, and reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you have your Bibles, open it with me to Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 28. We're going to talk here a little bit about what God's intention for you has always been. And here in first, or Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse, I'm going to start with verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Whose image did God create you in? His image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Say bless them. God blessed them, and he said to them. So the blessing is in the power of our words, isn't it? You know, if God blessed us by saying, then we bless other people by saying. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said this to them, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, this will be food. Now, I don't have time to expound on this, but, you know, during this time and season of the way the earth was formed, you know, man was all vegan. They didn't eat any meat at this particular time. They were vegetarians. How boring. Isn't that true? I mean, I'm going to go out for a T-bone steak after lunch today. I'm, thank God. Amen. I wasn't living during this time. Amen. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw that everything he made, indeed it was very good. Say very good. Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we need to back up here a little bit because God does not have you come to his altar to condemn you. He has you come to him to reconcile you so that he can impart to you his original plan for your life. And so God's original plan for your life is to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to have dominion, and really just to receive all that God has for your life. But see, what happened here is after man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and many of you know this story, but some of you may not, but God created them. He created the Garden of Eden for them. And he said, of every tree you can eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, and so anyway, the enemy came in, he deceived, and he, he, he calmed, you know, even the eating the, uh, of the tree, and uh, this is the way he did it. He said, look, if you do this, you'll be like God. God doesn't want you to be like him. Well, the problem was is they were already in the image of God, okay? But the devil was right in this sense, okay? When he said you'll be like God, in other words, you will be empowered 
is what the devil is telling them. You will be empowered if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will be able to decide what's good and evil. And that's exactly what happened. You know, so Eve ate the, of the fruit and she didn't die. Oh, well, hmm, maybe this sin thing isn't so bad after all. Not hurting me. I didn't die, you know. And then Adam ate of the fruit and he didn't die immediately. And then God came and he began to look for Adam and Eve and he said, where are you? Where are you? Well, why were all of a sudden, if they were right with God after they ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, why were they ashamed of being in the presence of God? Does that make sense? No, if they didn't know what they did was wrong, then what's the problem here? But obviously they knew they had disobeyed God. And so God came and found them and said, what happened here, you know, and the finger pointing started. You know, somebody said, when did the finger pointing start, Pastor? In Genesis chapter 2. Everybody pointing at somebody else saying, it's their fault. You know, and so God made a covenant, put skins on them with them. And he said, now man's become like one of us. What do you mean by that? He said, man has empowered themselves now to decide what is good and evil. Not good. Why? Because they're not following God's standards. They're following their own standards. Well, I know God said this, but I think, well, you know what? I know you're a very intelligent person. I know that you can probably, you know, do very well on any test given to you, and you're really, really smart. But I don't know about you, but I have come to the conclusion that God's smarter than me. I have come to the place that God's standards are probably better than my standards. In fact, when I look at the Word of God, and it says when the enemy comes in, and this is the way I say it, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. What does that really mean? I really believe that if I honor God's standard when the enemy comes in, I mean, it's just going to wipe out like a flood every plan of the evil one. Well, let's go back to Genesis 1, and let's look at this. Was Adam and Eve protected from the enemy as long as they honored God's standards? Absolutely. This is God's plan for you. He wants you to stay within his kingdom, his realm, so he can protect you and love you with that everlasting love and mercy and endless love and endless supply of love and mercy that he has for you. That's why he set these standards. Not so that you can decide, but so that he can protect you. Now let's just think for a moment about the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and how this all unfolded. So the Bible tells us that the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery was brought to Jesus. Question number one I have, how did they find her and where did they know she was committing adultery at? Good question. How did they know where to find her? And where did they know she would be the catcher? And it says in the very act of adultery. Now, that's pretty scary if you ask me. I mean, if you told me you caught somebody in the very act of adultery, I would ask you, what were you doing in their bedroom in the first place? 
Hello, somebody. Can you help me with this? Am I thinking correctly? But then she was dragged to Jesus. She didn't come on her own will. She was dragged to Jesus. Could you imagine me? And I, I, I can't do this because I'm just too big. But can you imagine me grabbing Peggy here or my wife and jerking her up on the altar, throwing her down and saying, God, what do you say about her sin? See, Jesus was the wrong person to bring her to. Or, wait a minute, maybe Jesus was the right person for her to bring to. You know, I, I, I've talked to some children who told me that they had a drug problem because their mom and dad drug them to church every Sunday. But you know what? This woman wasn't drugged to Jesus for Jesus to condemn her. Actually, the standard of man decided their standard. Remember, now they've got man's standard, not God's standard. They got man's standard. Remember, when sin came in, man decided what standard they should live by. And so they decided according to their standard and according to the law that they received, she was deserving of death. And not only that, but because of their standards, they decided that they would use this opportunity to discredit who Jesus was. Bad idea. Just a bad idea. But it was all a result of their standards. What they decided, what was right and wrong. And so they brought this woman, you know, to Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery, our law says to stone her. What do you say? And Jesus said, well, he who is without sin. Now, now let's just think about this. They brought her according to their standard of what sin was. Jesus didn't say, you know, all right. I'm not asking for anyone here who is sinless because according to the law, they could have done some acts of redemption and been without sin. There could have been somebody there who was without sin. But Jesus said, okay, which one of you knuckleheads doesn't have sin presently in their life right now? And whoever you are, I'll let you cast the first stone. And then Jesus began to write on the ground. And we have no idea what he wrote on the ground. But isn't it fun to have a little presumptuous ideas right now? You know, first of all, I think this. My presumption idea is how did they know where she was and how could they catch her in a very act of adultery? Well, maybe because they're one of them who committed adultery with her. Hello, somebody. Oh, don't look at me with that pious look. Come on, let me have a carnal mind once in a while. But nevertheless, I don't know what Jesus wrote. But eventually they all left, and this is the love of God. He said, where are your accusers? See, when we live according to God's standards, he removes our accusers.
There is no one to accuse us. And she said, where they're gone? He said, neither do I condemn you. But he did say, go and sin no more. Just go and sin no more. And see, what happened was that man, according to his standards, brought somebody to condemn, but they brought him to God's standards. And God's standard says, I do not hold it against you. That's the blessing of the Lord. That's the mercy of God. That's the hand of God upon your life. That's why when it says when we repent and come to God, we'll be converted. And there'll be times of refreshing. And repent means to come to God. Come to him just the way you are. Because you can never go to God and expect God to condemn you. He will always receive you. He will always love you and pour out his mercy on you. But there's one more thing he'll do. He'll restore you to the place so that his original blessing for your life can be upon your life. And this is the purpose of us as parents. Our God-given authority to put into our children the value to pass on the blessing that God has for your life. Not to hold you accountable to the things you've made, the mistakes you've made. How many of you have children in school today? How many of you remember the, uh, the test they didn't make 100 on uh, three weeks ago? You don't. What's wrong with you? Shouldn't you be holding them accountable? No, you're not going to hold them accountable because maybe they made a 95 or maybe even 85 or you know, maybe they struggled and didn't do so well. No. When our children didn't do well on their test, we didn't hold that accountable. What did we do? We got in there and tried to help them improve so they can do well in life. That's the blessing that we pass on. Not holding someone accountable to the mistakes they've made, but helping them overcome the mistakes they've made. And so what is that original blessing? To be fruitful multiply, subdue, and have dominion? Isn't having dominion overcoming? Absolutely it is. So when we look at the scriptures here, God's original plan for Adam and Eve was for them to be fruitful, to multiply, to increase, to subdue, to have dominion. And according to some of my vegan friends, and to, to be a vegetarian for the rest of your life. Not so anymore. We're under a new covenant. Thank God. Somebody say, thank God. Amen. I'm glad I can eat beef and barbecue ribs and bacon. I still haven't seen a recall on bacon yet, so thank God. Amen. Anyway, that's another story. I'm having an ADD moment. But anyway. But God's plan for you is for you to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, and have dominion. And his plan for you as a imparter of the blessing, whether you're a father, a mother, a parent, a grandparent, is to instill into those, to instill back into mankind, because, see, God didn't call Adam, Adam, because that was his name. God called, you know, God never called Eve, Eve. Did you know that? Adam called Eve, Eve. Okay? 
He called Adam mankind. Mankind, this is my plan for you. It wasn't just God's plan for the man, the first man. It was God's intention for eternity for them to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. But as we see, they missed it. But you know what? As soon as they missed it, God began to put his plan back into motion. See, the Bible says God rested on the seventh day. But you know when the next week started? As soon as man missed, he went back to work. And just let me encourage you, we are on the sixth day, and God is just about ready to rest again. And what did he say when he intervened the last time he intervened with mankind right there? He said what he saw was good, indeed very good. So I'm here to tell you, don't be fearful of these last day prophecies because God's plan for you is that it's going to be indeed very good. Can somebody give God praise in this house? That's exactly his plan for you. And this is why it's so important that we begin to understand the blessing. Because the blessing of God is God's intention for your life. Fruitful, some people think that means to have children. Well, actually it means for your image, your legacy, to be more influential in the world. Multiply, now that does include having children, but it does become, means to become great and become many, and to become numerous. Replenish means to accomplish its intended purpose. What did God say to Noah after the flood? Go and replenish. Go, go back and bring it back to its intended purpose. When you are speaking the blessing or you're receiving the blessing, you're being empowered to go back to God's intended purpose for your life. Wow. Think about it. To subdue means you're in control. You're in control. I'll never forget, I've shared this before, but we have some new people here, so I'm going to share it again. I'll never forget one time I was asked to go to the hospital uh, on behalf of a friend. Uh, uh, Someone was passing through Columbia, had a severe auto mobile accident, and they asked me to go to the hospital and and, and see this individual, even though I didn't know them, went and prayed for the individual, and uh, the mother was there. And so after I prayed, she said, can I have a word with you? I said, sure. You know, so she sat down. She said, I want to let you know I don't believe in God. I said, okay. You know, I mean, what do you want me to do about it? You know, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. You know, you made your decision. I believe in God. What's the problem? She goes, well, if God was so good, why are there so much evil in the world? I said, because he put us in charge and we missed it. End of conversation. Nothing else to be said there. But that's God's plan is for us. You know, the Bible says that the, the whole earth is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God, that's you and me. The world is out there and is begging you to step up to the plate and be what God's called you to be. It's begging you. 
It's groaning and having volcanoes. It's groaning and having earthquakes. It's groaning and the atmospheric pressures changing, causing tornadoes and hurricanes. It's groaning and crying out to you, take your dominion that God's given you. That's the blessing of the Lord. Glory to God. That's why it kind of behooves me when somebody says that, you know, when a tornado or some type of act of nature destroys somebody's property and they call it an act of God. <laughs> no, it's not an act of God. It's an act of nature. But God is not a God of destruction. Because Jesus said it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. And that word life is God's life. God's ability. And I've come to give it to you abundantly. In other words, you can't measure it. There's a never end to it. It's always there for you. That's the blessing of the Lord. Amen. So today we're going to impart into you the ability to bless those you've come to bless. And the ability to receive your blessing for those who are here to receive your blessing. But if you just receive, that's okay. But I want to encourage you, take hold of this blessing so that someday that you can impart it and pass it on to others that God has given you to pass it on to. This is why God said, I can, I can really use Abraham. Because I know one thing about Abraham. Those things that I teach Abraham, Abraham's going to teach his children. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for you to say, I'll pass it on. Listen, you don't have to be a perfect parent to pass on the blessing. Who did, who did Adam and Eve have to blame since they had a perfect God? Isn't God perfect? Wasn't he a semblance of their father at that particular time? Could they go, well, you know, I didn't have good parents. That's why I made the decision I made. <laughs> no, even though they had the most perfect parents, Adam and Eve still missed it. Listen, the choices your children make aren't always a reflection, especially your adult children. The choices your adult children make are not a reflection of who you are as a parent and does not disqualify you from still blessing your children. Amen. Well, Pastor, you know, there was a time I, you know, listen, Vicki and I, we lived in the world too before we met each other. There was a period in our time in our life that we we didn't live before God. There was a time in our lives that we set our own standards. But we don't allow that to hinder us from passing on God's standards to our children. That's another area of man telling us, condemning us, and telling us we can't pass them because we're not qualified. I'm here to tell you, God qualified you. The moment that you accept that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, not only did God forgive you, but he reconciled you. He restored you back to the original place that Adam and Eve were before sin ever entered in. That's what God did for you. So don't let those thoughts 
those standards, that's, that's man's way of trying to determine whether you're good enough or not. Well, you know, I mean, I look, I'm, not, I'm not the perfect parent. I'm not, you know. God doesn't care. What God cares about is his plan. He loves you so much. He wants to impart his plan in your life. And he does it through the blessings. A few blessings here in the word of God that I want to share with you. The first blessing we have is when Rebecca went to marry Isaac. That's the first recorded blessing we have. And this is what they said. They blessed Rebecca and said to her, Genesis chapter 24, verses 16 61, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So let me ask you something. Was Rebecca the legacy of thousands and tens of thousands? I mean, even today, we know that there are 7 million Jewish people living in Israel today. Okay, so that's, that's a lot right there. But there's been thousands and tens of thousands. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac spoke to Esau to go and prepare a dinner for him that he will bless him. Now, the custom was at that particular time that you bless the older one to be the leader of the rest of the siblings in the house. He got the best blessing, the first, the first fruits. He was the oldest one. And Isaac, his eyes were grown dim. He felt like he was coming to the place of passing. And he said, Esau, go, and why don't you go and fix me my favorite meal? And uh, when you get back here and fix me my favorite meal, I am going to impart to you the blessing, the legacy of this house, which Esau probably had an understanding, came from his grandfather, Abraham. All right. And so, but Rebecca heard this. Now, we can say a lot about Rebecca. You know, she was conniving. She was deceiving. She was manipulative. But yet, when we read the story about Rebecca, what we'll find out is when she was pregnant, she was like, God, if all is well with me, what is going on inside my womb? And God said, there's two nations. And God said, the younger, the older will serve the younger. So all Rebecca did was change the situation for the word of God to be fulfilled. So she ran to Jacob and said, Jacob, your brother's gone. Your dad's about ready to pass a blessing on him. So go and make yourself look like your brother. His brother was hairy, so he had to put some stuff on, you know, and stink like the field or whatever. I'm not real sure. And I'll make up the food, and you go and take him, and you tell him that you're his brother. And so Jacob went along with it. But it was to fulfill the will of God. You know, we give Rebecca such a hard time. You manipulating, conceiving, little. You know, No, she was just doing the will of God here. What was she doing? She was being used of God so that the blessing can continue on so that the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ, it could be fulfilled. Think about that. That's pretty powerful. You know what? When I read that and saw that, I said, you know what? Sorry, Rebecca, I've been too hard on you. I'm going to back off here. God used her. And so the blessing came upon Jacob. 
And it says here in Genesis 27, 27 through 29, he came near and kissed him. He smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him, saying, Surely the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you, here comes the blessing, may God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Does that sound something like familiar to what God said to Abraham? He said, bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. This is why, you know, since Israel is a descendant of Abraham, this is why we say when we bless Israel, we shall be blessed. And that's still a plan of God for our lives. Genesis chapter 27, let's go there real quick. Verse 33. So, Esau came to his father, realized that he'd already blessed him, cried out. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of it before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Once he blessed him, what was going to happen? It was going to come to pass. It was going to come to pass. Just like Rebecca's brothers and father who, who, who blessed her. Did it come to pass? Absolutely it came to pass. You're empowering that person when you bless them for the will, plans, and purposes of God to come to pass in their lives. So when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, well, bless me, me also, my father. In other words, you know what? He had a reverence for the blessing. And so um, then, then he went on and said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me all these two times. He took away my birthright. Not so. He bargained for it. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to him, indeed, I've made him your master and all his brothers. I have given to him as servants with grain, wine, and I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing? My father, bless me, me also. Oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. You know, that's almost the same thing he said to Jacob, which tells me that God's no respecter of a person. But he did say this, By the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass, you become restless, then you shall break his yoke from your neck. In other words, you know, when we study the history of all these generations and how they unfolded, in other words, Esau is going to become a great nation, and there comes a time that Esau's nation, or the descendants of Esau, broke away from Israel and became their own nation. So it happened, according to the way it was said. Another blessing, Genesis chapter 28, 1 through 4. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Well, wait a minute. I thought he already got a blessing. But he blessed him again. And he charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there, and the daughters of Leban, your mother's brother. And now here comes the, the next blessing. May God Almighty bless you. Make you fruitful and multiply you. What do we see in Genesis chapter 1? 
Be fruitful and multiply. So he's passing the blessing on. That you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham. See, part of blessing people is passing down the blessing that you receive. To you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. And so Isaac sent him away. In other words, he said, you know what, Jacob, you're going to be sent away, but the blessing is going to bring you back to inherit what God said your grandfather said we could have. Whew. Have you ever thought about what would happen if you could just have an understanding of all what God intended for your grandparents and your parents and then you? Well, has God forfeited those blessings? They're still there waiting for you. Wow, think about it. All the blessings of my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents that they didn't partake of, God wants me to experience. I'll take that. I don't know about you, but I'll take that. And so in Genesis 48 and Genesis 49, we see something here. We see now Jacob is an older man, and he blessed his grandchildren, Manasseh and Ephraim. And the funny thing about that, you know, the very thing that, you know, happened with him and Esau, he passed on not to his children, but his children's children. And so Joseph brought, I forget which one was first, but anyway, he brought the firstborn and wanted the blessing of the firstborn by Jacob. But Jacob crossed his hands, just like it happened with him, and passed the blessing on and gave the better, greater blessing to the younger. You know, I'm so glad I'm the youngest in my family. Just had to say that. But you know what? It doesn't matter what, you know, level or what... Uh, a place you were in, the first, the middle, the, 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 the last child, God's blessings for you. Amen? And that's why in the New Covenant, New Testimony, that James said, our words empower us to bless. It's kind of like a stream, you know? You don't go to a stream that's had fresh water, and one minute it's going to be bad water, and the next minute it's going to be good water. It's always good water or it's always bad water. So shall our words be. Our words shouldn't be words of cursing. Our words should be words of blessing. Why? Because when we bless, we empower. And so that's what we're here to do today. We're going to release the Spirit of the Lord upon you to impart into you the ability to bless your legacy. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.